Lord, uh, be with us this morning as we gather in your name. Uh, we particularly are mindful of those who are unable to gather this morning. We pray that as we lift our voices, um, our hearts would be lifted towards you, uh, that we might make a joyful noise in your name. Amen. Why don't we stand together as we sing our first uh, songs.
Lord, in the world that we live in at the moment, it's, it's hard to see your goodness. Help us as we gather this morning uh, to be aware of how good you are, how that goodness is reflected in your never-ending presence. And even though our world is uh, slipping into self-isolation, help us to know that we are never isolated from your love, that you are always with us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As you take your seat, might give everybody an appropriate coronavirus welcome. Welcome this morning. Um, um, I seem to be doing this every week, and I guess I'm expecting to do it every week um, for the foreseeable future, but uh, just a couple of logistical uh, issues about our, our service uh, this morning. Um, after much consideration and discussion, we've decided to make some uh, changes to the way that we're gathering uh, this morning. Those changes may change next time we gather in whatever way we are able to gather. Uh, but uh, the most uh, noticeable one will be the way that we distribute communion. Um, this morning, um, we're blessed uh, to have Anne McGuinness from All Saints Anglican School uh, preside at uh, Holy Communion this morning. Um, the best advice that I've received is that we shouldn't um, offer wine um, or grape juice at this time. Uh, so uh, we will be offering communion um, in one kind, which has a history that dates back many, many, many centuries, uh, pre-Reformation almost, or actually more than pre-Reformation. Um, and um, when Anne does uh, the communion prayer, she will bless a small amount of wine, but she will just consume that herself. Um, and Elroy and Anne will administer both gluten-free and gluten-inclusive bread, uh, taking appropriate precautions uh, with their hands. Um, and, and you are very welcome, of course, to sit and reflect quietly in your seats. Um, uh, we are also encouraging people uh, not to shake hands um, with people that aren't part of your immediate family. I found it incredibly difficult after the end of the first service, sort of going to people like this, hi, bye. It's counterintuitive, I know. Um, and the other thing that we uh, are consciously doing within the service is that we are not passing the collection bags uh, during the normal place of the offertory. Uh, the offertory will be moved to the end of the service and as you walk past um, our wonderful people at the door, uh, they'll eyeball you and you'll be putting in appropriately what God has called you uh, to put into the offertory bags. Uh, it is a, a good time to remind people that you can give in multiple ways in our church um, and giving is... Uh, important for both our uh, life and, and ministry of our church but also for our spiritual well-being um, and direct giving or online giving um, which is linked on our care cards and on the screen later um, is one of the options that you have to do without uh, any worries about transmission of viruses on cash. Uh, so we're doing that within the service. Um, also after the service uh, we've made the decision uh, not to have any open plates of food. 
uh, that is available for community consumption without anybody serving that food. Uh, we still have tea and coffee. We're still going ahead with the launch of the playground. I'm looking forward to sliding down the slippery dip uh, later on. And we will still have a barbecue after the service uh, with, again, appropriate um, hygiene uh, uh, that will um, take place. And, and, and rather than a free-for-all, your sausage sandwich will be served to you with somebody who's got gloves on rather than reaching in and grabbing uh, with your hands. So I know it, for many it seems a, a little ridiculous. For many it seems not ridiculous enough. Um, we are doing our best to follow the advice, which seems to be at the moment to what they call flatten the curve, uh, to slow the transmission of the virus. Um, and uh, we uh, are still um, taking advice on a daily basis um, things are, are changing regularly, so the most important thing I would encourage us all to do is to pray uh, for one another and for each other. And I'm going to pray for our very few young people this morning um, who are here this morning. They're going to make a joyful noise as they go. Um, and Lord, be with them uh, in their time uh, together and help them to have an amazing time of fellowship and friendship and a virus-free relationship in Jesus' name. Amen. We've got some more announcements that are on our screen. And welcome to church. First off, the op shop at McCary Street is in need of a someone to serve on a Thursday afternoon. So if you'd like to do that, please contact the office. We have the change of a time of the Tuesday night Bible study. So if you go to that here at the church, that's now at 6.45 till 8 p.m. Centre of Stillness is happening tonight here at the church. Arrive at 5.50 for a 6 p.m. start, and that's a time of quiet prayer and reflection. Also, the men's breakfast is coming up on the 21st at 8 a.m., and uh, the speaker will be Dr. Bob Jarrett. Also, the playground launch is finally happening, and it's happening today after the 9.30 service. Please come along. Also, the unavailability chart is out in the foyer. Please fill that out so we can get all of our rosters done, uh, including some of the things over Easter. So we really need that as soon as we possibly can. Also, expressing your interest for serving at our extra Easter services. Have a look in the foyer, and there will be days where you can put your name against uh, to possibly help out. So put it, put it down. We'll be in contact and uh, we're needing lots of extra people to help serve at our uh, extra Easter services. Also, the BCA boxes are ready for collection, so please start to bring them along on a Sunday and put them on the care desk. And also, um, don't forget to fill out a care card, which is located in front of you on the way out of church or in the foyer. That's how we stay connected, particularly if you're new, that's how you know what is going on here and you can put prayer or practical help on there as well and we follow that up every Monday. Thanks. Well good morning everybody and welcome. It's good to see so many people here considering where we're at. So let us just bring perhaps the people who would have loved to have been here and can't be here with that invisible thread of love and just bring them into the seat next to you so that we can remember them at this time too. God is with us, God is present. The love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. May that love of God be always with you. Jesus' love is with us bringing peace and forgiveness. 
Jesus' love is with us, bringing hope and healing. Challenge us with your word and your inclusive love. Ever-present God, we have come together this morning to worship you, to thank you for the blessings we have received and to seek your comfort and guidance as we wrestle with our struggles. Help us to pray to you in faith, to sing your praises with gratitude and to listen to your word with eagerness through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I believe we have the gospel. Would you please stand? A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 15, beginning at the 10th verse. Glory, Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Then he called the crowd to him and said to them, Listen and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but it is what comes out of the mouth that defiles. Then the disciples approached and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees took offence when they heard what you said? He answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone, they are blind guides of the blind. And if one blind person guides another, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, explain this parable to us. And he said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth enters the stomach and goes out into the sewer? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this is what defiles. For out of the heart come evil intentions, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile. This is the Gospel of the Lord. May the words that come from my mouth be inspired by your Holy Spirit. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Would you please be seated? Well, during Lent, uh, we're working through Matthew's Gospel with a particular focus on what Jesus was teaching between the mountains. Much of the best-known teaching of Jesus in Matthew's Gospel is centred around the Sermon on the Mount, the Mount of Transfiguration, and, of course, Calvary. But there's so much depth and richness when we explore what Jesus teaches in the ordinariness in the journey and in the confusion of everyday lives. I mentioned if you were with us uh, last week that um, I've had to um, think ahead and pick the passages for the last week, this week and next week. And my two main criteria for picking the passages uh, that we're using on Sundays has been what is going to lead us to the cross, to the tomb and to the resurrection. But also, I like to be interested in what I'm preaching, so I've also had a, a secondary criteria, which is I wanted to look for passages that I've not preached on before or that maybe I haven't paid enough attention to in the past. And I've actually never preached on this particular part of uh, Matthew's Gospel. It doesn't actually come up in the Sunday reading options uh, for this year. Uh, it comes up in a bracketed section that you can read before, but most of us don't do the extra bits. We just do the shorter versions. 
Um, and so I was really excited to give it a, a, a crack and, and see what would come. Um, the context of this particular passage comes with an encounter with the scribes and the Pharisees about tradition. And I must admit that I have on maybe one or two occasions had conversations, sometimes rather animated, with people within our church, some of them wear purple, um, about tra tra the traditions of our particular denomination. Might have had a few in the last few days as well. I did not realise, however, that when I picked this passage, how topical it would be this weekend. The catalyst for Jesus' teaching is an accusation by the scribes and the Pharisees that Jesus' disciples had not been washing their hands properly. Clearly, they had not seen the many videos circulating at the moment on how to wash their hands. expecting everybody as they leave church today to do that little dance as they um, squirt the, um, the Purell gel. Um, you'll hear me say a number of times this year in similar ways, but when we're reading scripture, context matters. Without understanding the world in which these words are spoken and the background behind them, you can come up with a very different conclusion to what was originally intended and that can be a big problem if we're trying to discern both the truth for our time and the truth for all time. It would be easy to read today's passage and the preceding 10 verses and to think that Jesus is saying that it's okay to eat what you want and not wash your hands. It's actually what's in our hearts and what comes out of our mouths that's the most important. Let me be clear. This is not what this passage is saying. I firmly believe that if we were asking ourselves the question, what would Jesus do in today's COVID-19 world, then we would find Jesus not only alongside the marginalised and the suffering, but also ensuring that he did everything he could do to keep them safe and make them feel safe, even if that meant doing a COVID-19 hand-washing dance. I don't know about you, but one of the things that I've learned in recent weeks is that I, up until now, have never washed my hands properly. Singing happy birthday twice? Who's got time for that? I mean, I've always been disgusted by people who leave bathrooms without washing their hands, so I'm no Philistine. But I'm now making a concerted effort to do it properly every time. Not so that I actually play my part in slowing the spread, but also I build confidence in those around me that I have not only my own best interests at heart, but also theirs. 
But it's important to know that the hand washing that is referred to in the preceding passage, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders, for they do not wash their hands before they eat, actually has nothing to do with hygiene. It wasn't even an Old Testament law or requirement. It had been a tradition that was developed by the decentralisation of worship away from the temple. And the intention was to identify who was clean in terms of holiness, not hygiene. As people washed their hands, they would recite a prayer. And there was a sense that all the unclean people and things that they'd come into contact with would be washed away. And they would be seen as not only acceptable to God, but seen as holy and set apart, even preferred. After calling out their hypocritical behaviour, Jesus turns away from the scribes and the Pharisees and he turns to the crowd and he begins to teach them what holiness as God intended really looks like. The subheading in my Bible as I read these 10 verses is things that defile. Defile is a word that we don't often use these days. It's not in our common vernacular. It's very strong and it's a very emotive word. Although I wouldn't be surprised if it starts to creep back into our vernacular, particularly if somebody coughs on you. It might be appropriate to say, you have defiled me, sir. It's much better than what I've seen other people do when somebody coughs on them recently. Um, but the word defile comes from this Greek word, koinoi. And it's usually used in the context of a religious ceremony. And also means a word that we often hear throughout Scripture, particularly in the Old Testament, unclean. In the world of Jesus' time, if you were unclean, you were not included. And while perhaps the purity laws could have at some point had something to do with cleanliness and hygiene, uh, over the years they had been distorted into something that was including people who thought they should be included and excluding everybody else that they thought shouldn't be included. One of the principal ways that a Jewish community would express their inclusion was around the meal table. And if you were to read the middle part of Acts of the Apostles, you'll see how challenging it was for the early church to try and work out a situation where people who've become Christians from a Jewish cultural background could sit at the same meal table with Christians who had become Christians who were from a Gentile background, from a non-Jewish background. And so what they did to solve this problem was they had one of the first ever church parish council meetings. And it's known by scholars as the, Jer the Jerusalem Council. And they came together and, and argued for and against uh, what should be done and what was acceptable. In a nutshell, what the requirement was, was to remove every barrier that would prevent Christians sitting down together. And the only thing required 
was that Gentile Christians would observe the cultural traditions and expectations of Jewish people, which when you think about what they were, they're probably unhelpful behaviour for people following Jesus anyway. And they were to abstain from what had been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what had been strangled and from fornication. So follow those rules. Everybody can sit at the table together, which was a much better outcome than what the um, traditionalists were suggesting that everybody needed to be circumcised. So much less painful. In today's teaching, Jesus is telling the crowd and the scribes and the Pharisees, if they would listen, that it's not our superficial actions that make us clean. It's not our external actions that make us holy or include us in the kingdom of God. It is our hearts. Jesus adds the point that it's often what comes out of our mouths that reflects what's inside our hearts. The good thing is that all of us have got good hearts, haven't we? It's been nice to understand the historical context, but we don't really need to go any further. If we're good, it's all good. But wait, Jesus gives us a list. Let's have a look at this list. Out of the heart comes evil intentions, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness and slander. Now I'm not going to ask you to name and shame, but I am going to challenge you to look at that list and give yourself a mark. Which one of those can you cross off as not applying to you? I think most of us hopefully would give ourselves an easy pass. But being around church life my whole life, I'd challenge most churchgoers on the last two particularly um, because um, the... Just get the right slide up. There we go. There's the... No, that's the wrong list. It wasn't there this morning either, the list. That's hard to get good help. So that list is... Evil intentions, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness and slander. I've seen plenty of false witness and slander in churches, which is what I was going to say. Um, it's, this list, though, is not that type of list. And the intention isn't to give us an easy pass mark. These types of representative lists appear throughout the scripture. And when we encounter them, it's tempting for us to say, well, at least I haven't done that one or I haven't done any of those ones, so I'm good, so it's all good. When I was in theological college, though, I had a prison chaplain come and speak to us about what it was like to do ministry inside prison. And he said something that initially shocked me, but when I reflected on it, it actually opened up both my mind and my heart. He said these words. It wasn't until I could identify the potential murderer in me that I could truly minister to the murderers in prison. We may not be able to check all of those things off our list, 
And thank God that we can't. But within each one of us is the potential to be so self-focused, so self-absorbed, to be vengeful, to be manipulative, to be sinful, that even if we haven't done anything that's been on those lists, we could create our own separate list full of all the things that we have done wrong, our faults, our failings, and our brokenness. But what do we do when things go wrong in our lives, when we find out that we've done something that we shouldn't have done? Well, most of us blame. We blame something other than ourselves. Maybe it's the environment we're in at the time. Maybe it's somebody else's fault. Maybe it's something else external. Or maybe the devil. While I do believe that evil is a powerful force in our world, I also know that I blame a whole lot of people and a whole lot of factors for the things that are actually my own shortcomings and my own sinfulness. The scribes and the Pharisees believed that the source of sin was external and all that you needed to do was wash it off and that you would be okay with God. Jesus says that the source of our sin is actually inside us and the problem is our heart. And this is what we need to be constantly working on as we strive for holiness. I'm not sure if you've come across this new expression that everybody seems to be saying uh, these days. One of the many, many changes to our vernacular tends to come from an American context, and I presume that this one has as well. And that is the expression, oh, my heart. Normally comes with somebody grasping their heart. I was watching Gogglebox uh, the other day, and there was this... um, uh, this great uh, new uh, show uh, which showed uh, um, dating between people who are on the autism spectrum. And, and one of the Gogglebox people um, exclaimed in a loud voice, Oh, my heart! And she reflected on how beautiful it seemed to be, as opposed to many of the other dating shows that are on television. While I'm normally sceptical of this type of jargon, particularly the Americanisation of our own jargon in Australia, I actually quite like this expression. And I like it because it reminds me that what moves us to respond comes from an internal conviction, from an internal decision, from an emotion that is not generated from within ourselves but it's generated outside of ourselves by others for the purpose of others. We live in undoubtedly interesting times. Each day there's new challenges, new considerations about the practicalities and possibilities as how we might gather together as Christians and call ourselves church. This weekend, our good friends at New Life Church have made the decision to cancel all of their services and instead live stream. At the moment, we are preparing to continue on as we are, but with the real possibility that our small changes this week might turn into more significant changes in the days, weeks, and maybe even months to come. I remember after the Christchurch earthquake, 
when all but one of the local churches were destroyed and a very wise Anglican priest from the only church left usable in the wider Christchurch area, and I, I know about this um, comment because his brother was the priest in the, in the church next door to me uh, in Newcastle. He said these words, I wonder what the church will look like when it has no buildings. Well, today I'm asking myself, and I'm also asking you to consider, I wonder what the church will look like if we cannot gather. I pray that today is a reminder that will give us a sense of hope that the first place that we can start is with our own heart. I pray that those who will see the church in action in the coming days, in the weeks, in the months, might exclaim, oh my heart, because we have purposefully and prayerfully considered our own hearts and that what comes out of our mouths and what is represented through our actions is holy because God is at work in and through our hearts. I do pray we will still be able to gather in meaningful ways. And as important as it is for the church to gather, it's even more important for the church to scatter. And my prayer is that the church might be even more visible than it ever has been even if our numbers this morning are lower than it has been all year. Let us pray for our world and for our church. Loving God, we uphold the leaders of our nations. We recognise the complexity and the difficult decisions that need to be made at this time and we pray that you would give them good advice, wise counsel, that would result in good and wise decisions. We pray particularly for those who are most vulnerable at this time and that as those decisions are being made, that their care and well-being would be prioritised. We pray for our church throughout the world as it comes to terms with new ways of gathering and celebrating and recognising the needs of the world to which you've called us to serve. We pray for those who are charged with making decisions about their local church or their denomination. We particularly pray for those churches who are gathering in completely different ways this morning, in their home, own homes, in private, watching screens instead of coming and being. We pray that they would still feel a strong connection to their community. We pray for those people in our church community who've thought it wise and prudent not to attend this morning for the well-being and the health of themselves and for others. We pray that they too might find ways of being reminded that they are not alone, that they are part of a community of faith that is praying for them and upholding them. 
We pray for those known to us who are sick at this time. And of course, holding those uh, in our prayers who are impacted by the coronavirus, COVID-19. But also there are many other illnesses and ailments that afflict us as humanity that are being overlooked at this time. Those people who are being treated for ongoing conditions. Those people who are waiting operations and treatment. And we pray for continued healing. Within our community, we've seen people recover and healed. We thank you for their healing and the prayers that have upheld them. We pray for all those who feel isolated and disconnected at this time. And Lord, we pray for ourselves and each other. And we pray for our hearts. That not only would we guard them, but we would open them to your love, your purpose and your plan. We would be reconciled to you and to each other and accept the forgiveness that you offer. Help us to be a community that grows in holiness because we are greater at recognising who you include as holy, even us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And when we couldn't find the words to pray, Jesus gave us these words, and so we pray together. Our Father in Why don't we stand together as we sing, build my life.
Would you please be seated? During Lent, we pay particular attention to confession. Lent is, after all, a time of self-examination, reflection, and challenge. So let us now, in a time of quiet reflection, bring to God those areas of our lives that need forgiveness, that need restoration, that might need healing or change. So a moment of silence. Accept our repentance, Lord, for the wrongs we have done, for our blindness to human need and suffering, and our indifference to injustice and cruelty. Accept our repentance, Lord, for all false judgments, for uncharitable thoughts, and for our prejudice and contempt towards those who differ from us. Accept our repentance, Lord for our waste and pollution of your creation and our lack of concern for those who come after us. Accept our repentance, Lord. Restore us and show us your mercy. Hear us, for your mercy is great. Complete in us the work of your salvation that we may show your glory in the world. And so the Lord enrich you with his grace and nourish you with his blessings the Lord defend you in trouble and keep you from all that is not of God. Amen. Let me stand and sing together. Great are you, Lord. Remember, no collection for now, collection on the way out. Please stand. Great love. 
Please be seated. Come, all you who are loved by God, come to the table of the Lord. Come and eat food with no cost. Come and drink with no money to pay. Come to eat and drink because your hearts are glad. Dear Lord our God, our hearts truly are glad today and we are filled with thankfulness because in your great love you did not abandon us. In the dark and fearful places of this world, you are there. In Jesus, you came to us to rescue us, to restore us, and to give us new life. So that all who are tired and burdened, those who are fearful and feel unsafe, those who are sick and those who are broken, can come and find new life. We remember the way that Jesus showed us his life. We remember the way that Jesus showed us his love. On the evening before he died, he had supper with his friends. During the meal, he took the loaf of bread. He gave thanks for it. He broke it. And then he passed it around with these words. This is my body broken for you. Eat this and remember me. And after the meal, he took the cup of wine, gave thanks for it, and passed it around with these words, this is my blood shed for you. Drink this and remember me. And now every time we eat bread like this, and every time we drink wine like this, we remember Jesus and his everlasting love. Lord God of world-changing love, we thank you that you have prepared this meal for us, that you welcome us at your table. We remember that we are your children, each of us, and that you have called us each by our names. You have called us to share your love with everyone we meet. So help us as we come forward to receive communion, to receive your life, your love, to walk in your strength, to follow your ways, and to be conduit of your love throughout the world. And so... Today I'm going to receive communion first. This is the bread of life. Receive the body of Christ. And now I gather you up with invisible threads, those who are here and those who can't be here. As I hear God say, this is the blood of Christ poured out for us that our sins might be forgiven and that we might have everlasting life. Draw near and receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ given for you.
you still have gluten-free bread available for everyone.
creating God, you are at our beginning and promise to always be with us. Help us to be aware of your continued presence through this day. Bring light to our darkness. Open our eyes to thank you for your creation and to see the work you set before us today. Take us and use us to bring to others the new life you give in Jesus Christ our Lord. The blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you now and always. Amen. Go in peace to love and to serve the Lord. Let's stand and sing this last wonderful old hymn. Oh Lord my God, when I in awesome
So oh. 